and welcome to Bengali Girl. This is your podcast host Nikita and I'm so grateful that you're here. Today's episode is just fitting for the month of Ramadan because it brings back a core memory because as a child we would go for these iftar dawats where our parents would stay till after tarawih and that meant talking about everything under the sun. So some of the topics that my family friends and I would like to talk about are either conspiracy theories or jinn stories. And remember this episode is definitely on the supernatural side and I respect everyone's view including the skeptics but this is no place for them here today in this episode. This episode is for people like me who do believe that jinns were created by God and they walk all around us in a dimension we can't or are not allowed to see. And I believe that as a Bengali, we all have our jinn stories that have been passed down from generations or jinn stories that are quite famous in our grammar body. Now, my dad is from Wamenshing and mom is from Kumila. And for people who have met my dad, know that he's a man of few words. Few impactful words for sure. So I never got much of jinn stories from him. However, those who have met my mom <laughs> know that she speaks for both of them. And because of this, I used to spend most of my summer holidays in Bangladesh and majority of the time I was actually in Kumilla. And my grandparents and my caretaker who's been with us forever, we call him Abdul Nana, they're the ones who told me in the stories that kids in Bangladesh grew up with like Shad Pai Chompa, Takumar Juli or other paranormal stories that were native to the Kumilla town. Before I begin with my stories or experiences, let's take a general approach to this, right? So I follow this intellectual on Twitter called Ali A. Alomi, who is a writer himself and an assistant professor and historian of Middle East and Islam, among a lot of other things. He has some great threads on Twitter on understanding the different jinn types and their origin story based on our Islamic history or pre-Islamic folklore or traditions um, or tribal stories and I would recommend listening to his podcast Head on History. It was very insightful for me as well while I was researching you know what the background origins would be. So jinns are an invisible being in the Middle East and Islamic folklore and even though there isn't much about them in our what we consider official transcripts they are said to live in tribes and nations with their own kings and queens. Most of our stories in Bangladesh though are stories about jinns in the houses or you could say domesticated jinns. And let me talk to you about a few of these traditions or let, I don't know what the English word is in Bangla. I recently learned this Bangla word. It's called Kushongskar where I hope that's how it's pronounced, but it's just things that we heard, um, you know, traditions or folk traditions or tribal traditions. But there is a pre-Islamic folk tradition, which is still followed by a few people, even in Bangladesh. Of course, you know, it's been a tradition passed down by generations. But the tradition is of leaving milk as an offering for the jinn so that they don't disturb the house and just leave the family to be and there are also these jinns that we often hear dwelling in the drains it's kind of linked to the medieval times where they would say that jinns used to live in the wells so when you translate that into modern i think it becomes you know dwelling in drains but we've been told 
or I've been told by my parents, hojours, to not dump water in the sink or like wash your bathroom with hot, hot water. It is always suggested to like wash or drain lukewarm water because, you know, you don't want to upset them and they're gonna, you know, come and harm you and stuff. But we've also heard of other jinns like dwelling in the corners of your house. And my parents have definitely told me this when I was moving away that do not have any corner of your house just empty. Like have something in every corner. Uh, we also heard about like reciting a dua while undressing so that a jinn does not like lurk around or that when things go missing from your house jinns must have taken them so these are all some things that we've heard and there are definitely some of these things that i've experienced myself that we would talk about but before that i think it's interesting to also talk about how most hujurs in bangladesh like the famous ones that or the family ones that we always go to like they would claim to have like jinns under their control or in bangla they would say tara jin pale like they have these jinns under their control they have them as their pets where they can make them do whatever they want or whatever they wish for and people in Bangladesh or I'm pretty sure it happens in every um, culture they would approach these hujurs or priests to like you know get their way in life and while most hujurs I hope most hujurs might be using light work and you know jeans to do good things there are others who like use black magic and talismans or like tabis um, they even bind these genes or they make them do whatever they say or like I've had this where a tabis was transported to a person by a gene. Um, I think when talking about my experiences I should definitely start from like my childhood first and move chronologically like that for ease of understanding for you but also ease of narrating for me now spending the summers in bangladesh in kumilla as a kid you know i had my grandparents i had abdul nana and i also had this lady who was kind of adopted by my grandmother called shilpi and my grandparents knew everyone in town as one's grandparents would kumilla is also famous for its sweet shop matri bhandar if you don't know what matri bhandar is and you're a bengali then you must be living under a rock <laughs> It is very famous and it's so famous that there are copies of it as well. Like people who are claiming that they're selling Matri Bhandar sweets, but they're not really selling that. It's a shop in Kumila and the owner or like his kids or their generations, you know, would be at the shop, usually at the counter. And Shilpi would take me to the shops to do like some bajar because I would get bored just sitting at home. And we would always go to Matri Bhandar because I loved Roshmalai. Side note, there is nothing that can beat Kumilla's Roshmalai and Shondesh, okay? Because Dhaka's Shondesh are so wet and soggy, like Kumilla's is so dry and the taste is just different. But anyways, coming back to the story, Shilpi would always take me and she would like ask the owners every day um, when, or whenever we went, which is, did they come today? And the owner or whoever was at that counter, usually the person or their family would be at the counter and they would look at her and then they would get up to see the tiny me behind the counter and they would smile 
um, they would always narrate these stories of yes, of course, the jinns did come today, but especially of what their appearance was today. Uh, you know, this is something we've always heard. I think growing up as kids, is that jinns love mishti, and whenever there's a sweet shop, you can bet your ass that there would be a few customers that are not humans but jinns. So the person would tell us that you know jinns would always come at the crack of dawn when the mishti is just about ready and the shopkeeper is setting them up. Sometimes it can be a lady dressed in an abaya or a man in a lungi or a woman in a shari. Other times it can also be a child just coming in to order heaps of mishti. Now the shopkeepers, you know, they've been working there for so many years that they can now detect who is a human and who's not. And it's not just because they come at, you know, the crack of dawn. They can come during the middle of the day as well. But it's usually... Um, their dialect or the way they're dressed that gives it away. Now you might think, what about the way they dress? It is not something completely out of the blue, but they would have some aspects of their outfit just seem not normal. For example, if it's a woman coming in a baya with you know a niqab as well, with you know where her eyes are the only thing that you can see, she would have like earrings stuck to the sides where her ears would be but that's just weird you know if everything is covered and it's just your eyes showing and then there's two pairs of earrings on either side so just things like that that would seem not normal and they would kind of give them an idea that okay this is not a human so they would come early in the morning usually when the streets are empty and only there were other shopkeepers out on the road just setting up their shops and order huge amounts of mishti. They apparently love kurir shondesh a lot and these shopkeepers would take the order, box it for them and then hand it to them, um, you know, and just walk away. They had to pretend to not really recognize that their customer is not human but also they know that jeans would not really pay in monetary terms you know they probably would like bring good luck or something like that so these were kind of the stories that i grew up there's another story that abdul nana told us and it was based on the lake and i'm pretty sure every grammar body you know there is this lake and you hear horror stories about it. So the horror story for us is our house is right in front of this lake and they recommend not going to the lake at night. And I thought, okay, he's just telling this, like not going at night bit, just to add an effect. But living there for so many months over the summer holidays, I realized that no one actually would go at night to the lake because there would be these jinns or jinns living in this lake and every time you would visit at night um let's say you want to take you know a shower or bath sounds good for shower that's so stupid but you know you want to take a bath in the lake or you are going for fishing they would drag you and drown you and apparently there were a lot of deaths that had happened around that lake as well so these are the kind of stories that we would you know grow up with abdul nana and also the owner of the mishti bhandar store 
But let me tell you something that happened to my family itself. Um, I was a kid. Um, I don't really remember much of it. But I'm pretty sure because I'm the youngest as well, they try to protect me from a lot of things that happened. So there was this military housing in Joshua that my uncle was living at during his military posting. My cousins and I, or my cousins and we, my sister and I, we were pretty close. So that summer we decided to go live with them uh, after, you know, spending a whole month in Kumila. So the house was a bungalow with its own garden and backyard, pretty fancy schmancy. And so this is what happened, right? So my aunt, whenever she was getting ready in her room uh, and she was in front of a mirror, she would see sort of like a shadow being in the mirror, um, but she would try to ignore it. Now, the reason she would try to ignore this is because growing up, her mom, my grandmother, you know, would always tell us that if you think there is something around you, if you sense a vibe, do not dwell too much into it. Ignore it um, because once you try to give attention, they will start playing games or whatever they like to do or whatever they were intending to do with you, right? Um and also when we were visiting, we all decided to sleep in one room because it's always fun to like have a giant sleepover, right? With your cousins and your family. And also that my uncle and auntie were conscious of like not wasting too much electricity just because it's free for them. So we all slept in one bedroom with like the AC blasting. And one of those days, my family, except me, would wake up to see my oldest cousin brother was not in the room. And this was not weird, but my aunt and my mom, you know, suspected that he has been smoking or something. So they wanted to check it out and see if that's actually the case. So my aunt tried to go and find out what was going on, only to see my cousin brother, who has never worked out in his life till then and was actually considered heavily obese, running through the front garden in top speed so like from one corner to another just running back and forth and this freaked the family out so we called a hujur you know in the morning who came in and said that there is actually a family of jinns living in this house and they will not leave they do not want anyone residing in this house and he strongly urged us to leave as well um which we did and i think well as far as i have heard that that house has been closed down because after us you know there was a family living who experienced pretty much the same thing um and i miss that house because it felt like a huge playground but seems like it was a playground for other beings as well and my family is pretty tight-knit with hujurs um, and that's because my maternal grandmother was an avid uh, believer like she was very religious and we had a family hujur and i remember one of those days when the hujur had come and visited us um, and he was telling me like stories like my sister me and my cousins were there in the room and he was telling us that 
The reason genes come to us in a human form is because if they show us what their real form is, no one can survive that. Like it would kill us. Um, and yes, <laughs> ever since then, this has been something that I've always thought like, what could be that scary that we would just die from seeing genes in their real form? But that is something that we would never know. Let me tell you another story. And this story is something that still irks me when I narrate it. And a lot of my friends know this story as well. Because it feels like it just happened the other day. My sister does not like talking about it. Um, but I can completely understand why. A little bit of a background. We used to live in a small coastal city in UAE called Fujairah. We had recently moved to this building called Al Katami Tower or pretty well known as the Nazo building because of the tile shop that was under which I never saw open by the way. But anyways, my sister was doing her O levels or A levels at the time and she would study till late at night. Meanwhile, my mother and I, we would go to the Cornish during the weekends with our family friends and stay there till like 2 a.m. or late. Cornish and Fujera was, if you can imagine, a road beside that a pavement or paved road for people to walk. Then there's a sea block and then there's the beach. And we would go to the beach side and place our parties or picnic mats and we would play around or like and the aunties would talk and you know they would have cha and like muri and stuff like that and it was one of those nights we had just come back to our building and my mom was having an adda at the basement or on the ground floor with the aunties who dropped us i was really tired so i took the lift to go upstairs and i rang the bell twice and no answer that was a bit weird because if there's no you know, no one opening the door right away, there would be a voice just screaming, which would be my sister saying, Ashtasi, or like coming, you know. And then I rang the bell again. And finally, after I think a couple minutes, my sister opened the door and it looked like she was sleeping, like she just woke up from a sleep. And we walked up to our room and we had two beds side by side. Um, and she goes to her bed and sits cross-legged on her bed and does not speak a word. And I did not think it was out of the ordinary back then because, you know, I thought she might have had an argument with her boyfriend, who's my current brother-in-law, <laughs> and was sulking, you know. And I was too tired to ask and just thought that this was just Ani being Ani. And I went to freshen up. My mom finally came and I answered the door. I followed my mom to her room and while she was changing she suggested hey why don't you sleep with me since you know dad was away and I said no I'll sleep in my room I told good night and I headed towards my room now as I reached the door of my room uh, which was open by the way my sister looks up to me and she says didn't she tell you to like sleep with her and that spooked me out because there was no way that Annie could have heard what mom said because when mom was changing the door was closed she was in the bathroom and I was outside so too many doors too many walls in between for her to listen and I 
just walked right back to my mom and I told her what happened. My mom grabbed the Zamzam water and took it to Ani, who started saying, or actually like being agitated, frustrated, saying, are you trying to kill me? But my mom managed to make her drink the water. She went to sleep and I went to sleep on my bed in that room because I was first of all worried about my sister but also at that age my hujur who taught me the Quran classes told me that if I recited Ayatul Kursi and if I learned it by heart there would be no problem at all because I can get rid of jinns that way so as soon as you recite Ayatul Kursi jinns will just go away so I had that confidence because I learned it by heart recently <laughs> and next day I asked her if she remembered what she said or did and my sister does not remember at all uh, we don't really talk about it anymore because I believe my family is like kind of the family that pushes everything under a rug you know and that house or like that building was not that scary because I, I spent a lot of years in that house right but you always had this feeling like when I was in the computer, I always felt like someone was just behind. And this is a feeling that was confirmed by my aunt who was visiting us as well, that she also felt like there was just someone there behind her at all times. My cousin sister would have nightmares um, where she would wake up and she thought that she saw someone um, at the corner um, wearing a purple abaya and stuff. And I think my mom kind of ignored all of that because of what our grandmother taught us that always always ignore those vibes do not give attention to these genes because or genes I, I just realized I've been mispronouncing it probably but excuse me okay I'm sorry but our grandmother always told us to always ignore that vibe it's probably because she had a lot of experiences herself growing up um, my mom did as well but that is something that I don't think I'm comfortable sharing as of yet um, because it's just not my story to share I guess or something that I haven't experienced but you know when and I don't think this is a bit related or might be related but I have these vivid dreams that have been a reoccurring theme ever since I was a kid where I would see members of my family or people that I loved you know be um, possessed by jinns and oftentimes I would recite the entire idol kursi in my dream and I could see the jinns just leaving now in when I was talking to the talking about this with a friend she actually told me that this is probably because I believe that you know idol kursi will just help me and remove the jinns out of my family members who are possessed and that is why this happens and you know this is just me and my psychology but i do believe that you know in bangladesh there are so many instances where black magic has been used and i'm not really sure if how it happens or works because I don't think I want to know as well. <laughs> I think I want to be oblivious to the fact or how to learn to do black magic because that is just some deep stuff that is not giving me good vibes. <laughs> there is another time that, you know, I realized or I, that's where I learned 
that jinns don't really have one religion they can be muslim they can be hindu they can be christian like they have their own stuff going on as well um the reason i learned that was because of an incident so again we were in bangladesh at one of my aunt's house and this was also a house that we were living in based on my uncle's job and the house had an outhouse or in australia they call it a granny flat so it had an outhouse and the outhouse bathroom or the facilities there were mainly used by the drivers the caretakers um who helped us right and it was one friday where we all were sitting we were discussing i think what to do for the weekend and one of the caretakers came up and said that the door to the outhouse bathroom is locked and that was a bit weird because there was no lock it had a sitkani or as they call it a latch um you know and that's it for the lock um because actually the key or the lock was broken and we were waiting for it to be fixed till then there was a latch that we kept as a temporary basis and apparently it was not opening um but they could hear water uh flowing like the tap was flowing and we were like okay that is weird like who's inside we tried to go and see if there was anyone who was missing like you know one of the caretakers maybe they were in the washroom we tried to call knock nothing and then you know it was as i said juma time so it was like the azan was called and as soon as the azan finished the tap like you could not hear the water running anymore and the latch was unlocked like the door just opened and that was so weird uh, but you know um i think it was just a jinn doing their wudu to go and pray but I'm, i don't understand the concept of jinn and wudu but you know what whatever so that happened um and i think you know there are definitely people who are sensitive to these kind of uh energy or vibes and i believe that i might be as well uh because of a lot of other experiences that i don't think i have the time to talk about today but i think i will have another episode talking about some of the experiences that i had growing up i know i told you i think three stories but they all belong in my childhood there are some stories that happened recently as well so i will tell you that in the next coming up episodes uh whenever that is but hope you enjoyed this and i hope that you come back and listen to the next episode as well so thank you so much for listening i appreciate you being here and listening till the end and thank you so much for your support have a nice day bye